Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to Bugle 4047, sub-episode Aleph. This is an extra Bugle. I'm currently in Toronto, Canada, having a bit of a week off. But we are providing you with a unique Bugle as part of our largely non-existent 10th birthday celebrations. Uh, Chris, the producer, is on the line from London. He will now explain exactly what he's about to put me through. Well, Andy, I think you are obviously a very wise man. That's correct. Testify. And you know, you know, you spend a lot of time writing this show and you know it inside out. That's correct. Uh, well, uh, the, 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 the first of those things is probably more true than the second. Okay, interesting that we've already got some hesitancy there. Uh, the <laughs> audience the audience have collectively written a quiz for you, Andy, about your, oh, own, quiz. About your own show. We've got um, contributions from one, two, I think from four continents, uh, Ooh, from about right. eight different countries. And they've all they've all got questions for you. As, as I said to you just before we started, some of these questions clearly have an answer in which they've actually <laughs> provided the answer. Some okay. of them clearly have an answer because I was able to research it and find the answer. Some of them probably have an answer, but I don't know what it is. And some right. of it's just bullshit. Okay. Uh, that sounds like an accurate reflection of the nature of the modern world, to be honest. <laughs> so, what more appropriate way to launch the inaugural once a decade bugle quiz? <laughs> uh, how ready are you? I was born as ready as I am now, which is uh, not nearly as ready as would be ideal in the modern world. Okay, so so this question is from, and, and forgive any pronunciation uh, errors, this is from AC. Hello, Andy. Can you tell me what happened in Australia that caused you to go on a dog-themed pun run? Oh, I, I, I do know this. The dog-themed pun run, uh, which I'm sure uh, many buglers will remember with uh, a mixture of joy and horror, uh, <laughs> and pos- possibly both. Um, that was, it was Lou Reed and his wife uh, doing a concert for dogs. Uh, was it at the Sydney Opera House, I think? I think it was, yeah. Right. And um, to, to give Buglers a little insight into the uh, the sci- extremely scientific creation process, the culminatory pun of the pun run, the uh, golden retriever pun, uh, which a cold and wet weaver emerged from a lake, as I remember, um, I wrote that at approximately four in the morning, sitting in bed, and I uh, laughed out loud and oh, no. woke, woke my wife up. So, uh, you know... I probably shouldn't have shared that information, but that's uh, that's the kind of life I lead. <laughs> you know the lady from number thirty-five who you really don't like. What Shih Tzu? I wish you wouldn't call her that, dear. <laughs> okay, it's very rude. Good. Okay. And anyway, why don't you like her? Well, because she talks rot, while her huge husband scares me. I mean, he's a big old bastard. Big old, big old bastard. No. Last last time you told her one about one of my gigs, she just talked about it endlessly at work. She really bored her colleagues. They, oh, they climbed okay. into their car. Really <laughs> they climbed into their car to go to the airport to Australia. Wow, well, said Laurie. I've had a, I've had such a great day. Mm, it's only still lunchtime. Hang on, said Lou suddenly. We better do some publicity for this gig. Can I borrow twenty bucks for some posters for it? Sure, pay me back next week, replied his wife. And get me a box of chocolates to say thanks. My purse is on the back seat. I'll just reach back and get it. Have you told any of your old music buddies uh, uh, about it? Um, Husky, Husky Richards called. 
us Keith Richards. No, said Lou, but I told uh, ex Velvet drummer Maureen Tucker all about it. I really talked it up. Second appearance from Maureen Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really talked it up, said Lou. Jewower. Sure did wow her. She was well impressed, said Lou. I'm so excited about this gig. If it goes well, I want to take the show to dogs all around the world. Well, let's just see how it goes first, love, cautioned his wife. Don't start thinking about an elaborate tour. Elaborate tour? Mm-hmm. Not, not yet. I mean, it's going to be a logistical challenge anyway. I mean, for a start, wouldn't I have to clean the, clean the auditorium? Not after a crowd of dogs has pooed all over it. And if any promoter asks you to do a gig for cats, I'd be hesitant. I'll say shun that offer. Suddenly, loose land on the brakes. Cripes. That Indian chef just spilt a load of melted butter on the road. Oh, yeah? That, that was happened? close. Core. Gee. This is the last thing I wanted to see. Uh, <laughs> As they pull into the airport. Uh, no! Sorry. Hold on. I, before you get going at it, I just need to set out a primal scream. <laughs> OK, carry on. As they pulled into the airport, it's only one to go. They drove past a textile maker who'd fallen into the icy Hudson River and just climbed out. Look, darling, said Lou Reed. It's a cold and wet weaver. <laughs> But that was worth the wait. No. Cold and wet weaver. I resign. <laughs> Who says I don't use my degree? Oh, no. I, I was quite early in the bugle uh, when you did that. And yeah. uh, I'd worked with you on sporting things before and wasn't quite sure what I'd let my, myself in for when that happened. Well, yeah, I, was, I, I sent it as a test to you, Chris, to see if, if you, <laughs> you had the required mental resilience to take 30 consecutive dog puns without yeah. resigning. You passed You passed the test. No, well I've, res- I've resigned many times, but uh, <laughs> the letters keep getting ignored. So you got one out of one, Andy. This is from Anita. Hi, just wanted to know what was the longest run of puns on one topic? Oh, well, I mean, it depends what you mean by long. Do you mean most number of puns or most time elapsed? It, is it, it, well, can you answer both for two points? Ooh, right. Uh, the pressure's on. In terms of number of puns, I've, I, I know I did all American presidents in reverse chronological order, which at the time was 44. And I think most of the world wishes it was still 44, um, including Grover Cleveland twice for his two non-consecutive terms. I think uh, I'd be surprised if I'd done more than 40, 44 puns on a single topic. In terms of length, I mean, the dogs were pretty long, I think. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. How do I do on that? Yeah, you get a point. Andy, this is from Dave Morris. Yes, hello, Dave. Andy, there's been a lot of controversy over cricket bat design and whether new models are legal or not. What effect does that have on the number of cricket bats made from frozen oil that stretch to the moon and back? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, this was when the bugle got scientific, wasn't it? The number of... Uh, I can't even remember what, what, what kicked this off. It was bugle frozen 116. O- right. Um... Pew 116 and frozen cricket. I thought it was, was it stretching to the moon, mate? Wasn't it something to do with stretching across the Atlantic initially? Yeah, so um, so it was it was about America having an oil shortage. I don't know why you. Would, I don't know how it ended up getting frozen, but it was. <laughs> Can you freeze oil? Well, don't um, no, that, that, I think that's the question that led to the the cricket. Oh right. <laughs> 
but were the uh, oh, I guess was it the length of the handle of cricket bats? Were they using a short handle or a long handle cricket bat? Probably makes a, like an inch and a half difference. Yeah. Which I mean, when you're stretching cricket bats to the moon and back, that's gonna. I mean, that could. That's the difference between making it and not making it, or overshooting it. I really do wonder, Andy, whether the manpower put into coming up with stupid analogies like this would be better diverted into coming up with ways to stop this f***ing leak. Because the complexity of imaginations on show seems to suggest that if successfully harnessed, this could all be over by now. At the very (coughs) least, they should all take their stupid milk jugs down to Louisiana and start scooping some f***ing oil out of the Gulf with them. Uh, What are these milk jugs made of? Well, now we, are they porcelain? I'm or? guessing a porcelain milk jug, oh. Andy. I'm guessing your classic porcelain milk jug. Because you've got to be looking at some spillages and breakages as well. So I just don't think they've factored that in. Yeah. Also, Plus, I mean, if they, wanted a more, if they wanted a more impressive distance, they should have used maybe longer and thinner receptacles that they could have laid end-to-end. Right. Maybe, I, I don't know, you know, yards of ale. You know, you know the, the, the yard of ale. Yeah. Like, yeah the kind of that would be good. You could get to Portugal. Field. Yeah. Well, I think that that would have made me pay more attention. Or maybe you know, if if they'd frozen it into cricket bat moulds, how many how many frozen cricket bat oil cricket bats? With I don't know if you can can you freeze oil, Chris? Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. I'm afraid. No, I'm not a scientist. Right. I can look it up for you if you like. Right. <laughs> oh, that'd be great, Chris. Can you please ask if uh, can you please find out if you can freeze oil and. Therefore, if that oil could be frozen into a cricket bat <laughs> shape. If the answer to the first is yes, I'm guessing the second is yes as well. I'm onto it. Thanks, Chris. But it uh, does seem that this, John, was definitely one occasion when spending that little bit extra short-term might have saved a big bit extra long-term, like when you buy a rhino for a new circus act. You know, a dead one might be much cheaper than a live one, but it's not going to work long-term. You know, it's straight man shtick will rapidly become tiresome and predictable. <laughs> Better pay the extra to a respectable poacher or importer of large horned ungulates uh, and get uh, get one that can do more than stand there looking stiff and slowly decomposing. Or, or even, you know, if you don't want that and hear the hidden costs come in of buying the dead one, um, then you have to have it stuffed by a specialist uh, rhinostic taxidermist, mounted on coasters by a qualified wheelition and then fitted with brakes by a guy, uh, a guy from down the garage at the end of the road. Uh, that will chuck in some new wipers for free, if you ask nicely. And you do need brakes, John, because a wheeled rhino on a sloping stage in a musical is a court court case from a bereaved orchestra waiting to happen. (laughs) Now, I'm getting off point here, but the point being, get yourself a decent live rhinoceros and either train it if you want a reliable sidekick, or just work with its wildness if you want a more off-the-cuff, edgy, genuinely danger-filled gig. By which I mean... Don't skimp on safety costs when you're setting up and running an oil well, particularly not when you make $14 billion a year. I mean, you've made almost $60,000 in the time it's taken for me to say this. So treat yourself next time, BB, because you're worth it, as are your employers and planet. I think you made your point, Andy, whatever that point was. I can't even remember. I think it might have been a different one at the end than it was at the beginning. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But some bits of various points have been made. Chris has got his... Pencil in the Drink air. facts. Yeah, I want my facts. Um, there's no one uh, freezing point for crude oil because it varies across right. the world. Interesting. Yeah. But but the pour, when it will stop pouring, depending, varies from 32 Celsius to minus 57. Really? Most commercial oils in about the minus 30 to minus 40. And then does it become a solid block or is it just a, like an unpourable gloop? From what I understand, from what I'm reading, and, and this is limited, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it gloops but will eventually, eventually you'll get something that might be mouldable into right. a cricket bat should you have something. 
that yeah. you can use as a base to create the mould that itself wouldn't break <laughs> this, when faced with something that's minus 40 is, degrees. This is not the global response to this disaster <laughs> that anyone is asking for. Okay, let's make it clear. Can... Could we hypothetically take this oil and freeze it into cricket bat shape? I'm not sure how that would help yet, but it would be interesting to know first. Well, why hasn't Barack Obama addressed this, John? Well, yeah, I mean, he's you're really right, taking Andy. his eyes off the it's ball. Slow. It is Katrina. These are the questions that buglers want to know, and he's it ignoring them. It is Katrina. Them. You're right. Uh, this one's from Graham. What present did John get you to celebrate the bugle's first birthday? What present did John give me to celebrate the bugle's first birthday? Yeah, I can't. I cannot remember. I know we were given a cake at the recording studio in in uh, Edgware Road, uh, where we were uh, where we used to record. Um, they made us a special bugle cake with a with our, our logo on the front, um, our then logo. Uh, what John gave me, um, I can't I can't remember. It wasn't one of the ones where he was doing a show in the fully in the buff, was it? In which case, that is not the kind of birthday present you want. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I've absolutely no recollection of that. Right, so this was before my time. This person has submitted yep. the answer, and you can okay. tell me this is wrong or not. He says right. it was a Hugo Chavez-agram. <laughs> well, uh, yes, that might have been a virtual Hugo Chavez-agram. I'm not... Uh, it certainly wasn't one in the actual recording studio, unless he went to the, the wrong building next door uh, to a very confused fruit and nut shop. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, that sounds like well, that 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 is a that that would have been an appropriate birthday present at the time for the bugle. I think um, Chavez had featured quite prominently in the world uh, in uh, around about the two thousand seven two thousand eight time. So um, yeah, the Chavezagram. There's probably less demand for it these days. Um, I don't know if you can get an Asadagram. I mean, that would, uh, <laughs> maybe that's the uh, Putinagram. I can imagine what the music would be uh, for that. <laughs> Um, here is a, oh, this is another one from Graham. Who was the personal pick of former Bugle co-host John Oliver, aka Johnny Shropers, aka the Traitor, for Hottie from History? Oh, uh, oh, John's personal personal pick. I don't know. I was too far away in full reverie about uh, <laughs> about Florence Nightingale. I think to even pay attention to who. Uh, who John was retrospectively lusting after. Um, I'm not sure. He didn't go for Mary Queen of Scots, did he? Was that? Uh, no, I can't, I can't. I can't quite remember. Apparently, I don't know if it's. Apparently, it was Joanna the Mad. Oh yes, Joanna the Mad. Uh, well, she. Yes, I, I think I can't remember if she was submitted by a listener or not. But uh, when once you've come uh, come into contact with Joanna the Mad, why wouldn't you? Uh, well, wouldn't you want to get to know her a bit? Uh, I mean, she's an intriguing, intriguing character. Any any woman who drags around the dead corpse of her former husband—that's uh, you know—that's that's someone you want to get to know better over a you know a, a few quiet beers in a sports bar with uh, with uh, <laughs> the baseball on in the background. Well, you spent more time in the states than me recently. I don't know if that's what happened. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that was yeah, slightly coloured by my recent experience of sitting in sports bars watching baseball on my own, essentially. So, I mean, it, it's been, uh, you know, touring solo can be a little bit solitary. And I've had a couple of very pleasant evenings with some some buglers in uh, bars after gigs. Uh, but, um, yeah, watching sports solo could only be improved by the presence of a 16th century deranged Spanish monarch. And this comes from a man called John who writes, Dear the Bugle, what about Philip the Handsome of Spain? Seems obvious, doesn't it? He married Joanna the Mad of Burgundy. 
To be honest, I think it was a shame that such a hottie was married to a self-confessed psychopath, but ultimately it enabled Spain's stability throughout the early modern period. Hot. Good email, John. If you have a picture of Joanna the Mad, please send it in. I feel that I may have been born hundreds of years after my time. So do keep your emails in on Hotties from History and all other subjects. And controversy has hit Hotties from History due to an email from Kalina Caffarella in Melbourne, Australia. She writes, I found the Hotties from History somewhat underwhelming. Are you truly human? What criteria were you using to choose these Hotties from History, she writes. I cannot see the common thread between any of these nominees, except they are dead. Let's have some transparency in the nominations. Well, well I don't know, we're uh, up against the wall here, John. I don't think that is a valid criticism. These hotties transcend being alive or dead. <laughs> Joanna the Mad is the perfect example there. We had a couple of pictures of her emailed in. One, uh, the email said, I've enclosed a photo of the infamous Joanna the Mad. Though one does not recognise the flaming madness upon first glance, she does appear to be carrying some unexplained rage in those crazy eyes of hers. <laughs> and they're intoxicating eyes. And then Sarah wrote, Wow, thanks for the tip, John. Joanna the Mad is not only pretty, but my friend Aaron insists that crazy girls are better in bed. And then she advises, I'd hit it. <laughs> so... Right, you get a point for that. Um, even though you don't deserve one. Uh, here's from <laughs> Andy. This one is... Um, actually, I think he self-introduces. Hi there, Andy. Hi there, Chris. This is Jonna. I want to thank you for 10 years of an amazing, if sometimes intermittent, bullshit cast. You're welcome. So here's my question. Going all the way back to the first Bugle episode ever, what number was repainted on Andy's bin? Was this the first episode ever? I thought it was the third episode. I can't remember, but it's amazing the number of people... Even at my live gigs now, we'll shout out, where's your bin? Which is not, not a heckle that many comedians have to deal with. Um, I think it was it was 53. I think it was the people two doors down That's who uh, nicked, nicked my bin. Uh, correct. Yes, they've long since moved on. So uh, if the current residents of number 53 are listening, then uh, there's nothing against you. It is something very much against the people who live there before you uh, who stole my bin. Never apologise. They never, ever apologise. It's one of the great historic legal injustices of all time. I see a great reality TV show there. <laughs> what, where's my f***ing bin? Yeah. <laughs> one man's quest to recover a lost Dearly beloved Ben. Uh, Marcus has a question for you. I'd like to ask the burning question of our time. How long is the congressman's penis? Thank you. <laughs> I think he means how in pages. Long? Oh, how long is the congressman's penis in pages? Well, I don't oh, know. Right, I, okay. I'm just assuming. I mean, you're welcome to interpret that however you like. Right. Uh, well, I mean, I couldn't possibly comment on... It's a family show, of course. Um... <laughs> It's the kind of show people sit around the fireplace listening to on the wireless with their great-grandparents, grandparents, parents, children, pets. You know, So I don't want to uh, elaborate too much on the exact length of a fictional congressman's wang. Uh, but in, in terms of pages, obviously it was only excerpts that, uh, that were read on the bugle. We couldn't get the rights from, the, uh, from, from uh, John Grisham and uh, his lawyers to uh, <laughs> record the whole thing. I reckon it was a solid 800 pager. The wow. congressman's penis that was uh, that was going to run along. That was uh, it was uh, yeah that was I mean it's one of the great epic epic novels. Uh, it's like the War and Peace and uh, and Ulysses I would say. 
And now, what you've been all been waiting for, it's part four of The Congressman's Penis, John Grisham's <laughs> long-lost debut novel that we secretly hacked from his voicemail. Um, last time, Mickey Stantanio P.I. was on the verge of uncovering the real story behind the missing congressman's penis. <laughs> Whose it was, where it was, and why it wasn't where it should have been. Now, chapter four. Senator Paul Crutchett had dropped a bombshell, and it had landed on his own foot. Ouch, he thought. That would have blown my toe off if it hadn't been metaphorical. The bombshell, not the toe. If my toe had been metaphorical, would the bombshell still have metaphorically blown it off? I guess I'll leave that kind of philosophy to Malcolm Gladwell, he chuckled, metaphorically rubbing a soothing mayonnaise balm onto his actual toe just in case. <laughs> Mickey Stantanio finished what had become a very physical disagreement with a coffee machine about what constitutes a cappuccino, in which, for the first time in his professional life as a cop, PI and freelance trapeze artist, he had uttered the words, That's just bubbly f***ing brown milk. Anyway, he <laughs> sat down with his notepad as Senator Paul Crutchett prepared to spill the most refried of all possible beans. Okay, Senator, fire away, said Mickey. The Senator took a gulp of water, sipped in the air as if wanting to eat his own destiny with a side order of self-analysis. So anyway, Mr. Stantanio, I was speaking to Maureen this morning and she said that Deirdre's been told she can't do any gardening anymore, what with her back, and of course Dennis is not long for this world anymore, and her Bridget's been having an affair with the vicar, and oh, it's not good for her heart, what with him being an escaped Sudanese war criminal, and his wife being a man, and then there's Enid, well, if she will joust at her rate, she's going to get hurt. Mind you, if she must do it, she should at least do it on a horse, not a 750cc motorbike, and at the very least put some clothes on as well, and as for Norag, well, I've told her seizing and water don't go together, but would she listen to me? Of course she f***ing would, and I'll tell you who I blame for it, Heston Blumenthal and his fancy recipes. And anyway, my Albert's dead again. That resurrection really didn't go according to plan. Mind you, it probably wouldn't have worked out for Jesus either if he died with a garden spade smashed into his skull. Might have made the iconography a little bit more interesting, mind. And did I tell you about our Abdul? Yeah, he's got an internship with Hezbollah. We're ever so proud of him. But his Angela isn't too happy about it. What with them having just bought a, a house in the Orkney Islands and her being a Mossad agent and all. Very <laughs> awkward it is. I give him six months and poor old Agnes can't walk these days. And she's worried sick about the Greek economy and the Americans looking into the Kennedy assassination again. Well, that can't end well for her, can it? And did I tell her about my kidneys? Oh, in a terrible state they are. Yes, I'm going to have to get some new ones. Completely overcooked they were. Mind you, the steak and the rest of the pie were first class. <laughs> Mickey carefully took Senator Falk Richard in a headlock. Senator, can you please get to the f***ing point? Where is your penis and why? <laughs> Part five next time. No, no, wrap it up! <laughs> End it! That's what Charles Dickens' editor used to say to him, John. And he ignored and him. He... That's what made him the most <laughs> famous novelist Britain's ever produced. This is not a Russian novel, Andy. Yeah, it's, uh, it, was a, it was an honour to, to have exclusive rights to the audio serialisation of uh, Grisham's masterpiece. But thanks to MailChimp, we're able to pay back those rights uh, week by week. <laughs> Always thanks to MailChimp. <laughs> uh, this is from Matt, Andy. I think you're doing very well at the moment. This is going re- okay. su- surprisingly right. well. Yeah, it's amazing the amount of my own bullshit that I actually remember. Because <laughs> <laughs> generally, I-, I like to think that it's just disappeared, but actually it's all just clogging up in there. <laughs> right, yes, here's Matt. Hello, Andy, Chris, and hello, Buglers. My question is, if you could pick one historical figure to be your next co-host, who would it be? And why? Well, I'd quite like to to work with the uh, with Aristophanes, the legendary ancient Greek uh, comic playwright, who's uh, one of one of my <laughs> comedy heroes. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, might be a bit of a language barrier. Yes. Uh, 
I guess. Um, yeah, obviously, F- Florence Nightingale would be would be up there just to see, you know, the the, the if the sizzling raw animal sexual tension fizzed across the airwaves. Julius Caesar, I reckon he'd probably have a bit of a temper on him, but he had some good stories, and he travelled a bit. Um, sometimes at places that didn't particularly want him to travel there. Um, Marco Polo, we'd have had a few uh, few stories to tell. Muhammad Ali. Oh, there's uh, someone from the twentieth century. Yeah, we'd have got someone with uh, we'd have got got some good banter. Uh, so Muhammad <laughs> so, Ali, there is the only person who can speak English. I think who you picked. <laughs> well, maybe that's the next uh, the next frontier for the bugle. That uh, it has always exclusively been an English language podcast. <laughs> maybe uh, we need to start catering to the ancient Greek community. Yes. <laughs> Uh, This is from Michelle. Hello, Andy and Chris. This is Michelle from California. My question is this. You had someone write in and ask to name her fake racehorse. What was the name that was finally chosen? And what were some of the alternate names? Fake racehorse. I remember this. Uh, I can't... No, I'm drawing drawing a blank on this. Okay, I I, I reckon if I give you the answer, you might maybe remember some of the... the, Some of the the alternative suggestions, maybe. Okay, far away. Silvio Burles Pony. Oh, (laughs) yes, no, I do remember that now. Um, uh, I hope there's a real racehorse called that at some point. Um, uh, I can't remember any of the the old... Were they all uh, pun-based horse names or not? They were probably f***ing stupid, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, it would be a great moment for the world. If a horse calls <laughs> Silvio Berlus Pony won one of the, the classic horse races. Uh, you're not getting any points for that. Oh, fair enough. I, I did get it not right, so I guess that's <laughs> only appropriate, Chris. Right, you've got two left. Two questions left, Andy. You're doing well. Andy, who was the last person to enter the soundproof safe? And when was the last time you checked on them? That was from Sam, by ah. the way. Uh, oh, um, oh, uh, oh, yes. Uh, the, the soundproofs, but it has got air holes in it, <laughs> so they might, they might, they might still be alive. Um, oh, I can't remember the last person to enter it. Uh, quite a few went in, very few came out. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, the soundproof safer. I mean, this was quite a long time ago. Now we used to invite guests, you know, from uh, from major news incidents to come and share their views uh, with the bugle, but we'd put them in a soundproof safe. I can't remember. I think we put Rumsfeld in there at one point, but whether he was the last last person to enter enter the safe, uh, I, I don't know. Have you got an answer, Chris? I've I've opened it now, and their oh their comment is oh, King Buglers. Uh, please find my question attached. I have no idea what the answer is. <laughs> I hope this won't be an issue. Well, it King is Samuel. <laughs> it is. Uh, I could yes. If I, if I, well, I could probably look up on my computer if I put soundproof safe in a search. Don't bother. The last, the last evidence of that. I think we put John Oliver in a soundproof safe about a year and a bit ago. Anyway, so. yeah, he's on the show every week. Yeah, he's just <laughs> in the safe. Uh, this is your last question, Andy. You've done. Okay. You've, you've, let, this is the make or break between you doing average right. and well. Okay. Right. Hi, Andy. Tim here from Perth, Western Australia. What was the first ever pun run you did on the show? And bonus question, what episode was it in? Right, the first ever pun run, I think might have been North Korea. Wow. Might have been North Korea puns. And I would guess it was around about episode 75. Oh! At a guess. 
How did I do? So well. Uh, North Korea, episode 76. No! Oh! I think you, you, deserve, you deserve some kind of credit for that. That's pretty good going. A day that will live in infamy. <laughs> um, uh, well, I'm, I'm ridiculously pleased to have got that uh, so close to 100% accurate. <laughs> so, it's tattooed on my soul. <laughs> and um, many other people's. Yes. I know someone did put up a collection of all the pun runs on uh, on SoundCloud that now stretches to uh, well an unhealthy amount of time. Frankly, <laughs> I mean it's, it's beyond feature film length. I think. <laughs> Andy, you've written a movie. What's it about? Yeah. Puns. <laughs> well, you know, there, there will have been worse movies, and there will have been worse movies involving people who've been on the bugle. So, you know, there we go. Uh, Andy, uh, well done. Congratulations. Yes. What's my prize, Chris? What's my prize? You win the chance to tell Buglers what you're doing on the 16th of November. Oh, what an awesome prize that is, Chris. Well, it's funny you should ask, because on the 16th of November in London, there will be a live Bugle at the Leicester Square Theatre featuring Nish Kumar and Alice Fraser. And uh, it uh, it will be probably the showbiz event of the entire millennium so far, I would have thought. 16th of November at the Leicester Square Theatre. Um, uh, there's tickets available on the internet at the Leicester Square Theatre website. And uh, are they available via the Bugle website as well, Chris? I, I don't know. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, anyway. But basically, use the internet. I mean, if you can't find them on the internet, you don't deserve to come, Buglers. That's uh, that's the philosophy behind my uh, history of my webpage. <laughs> I mean, it's not entirely worked from a commercial point of view, but uh, there you go. My North American tour continues on Monday the 30th in Chicago, the 31st uh, in New York, then the 1st of November in Boston, the 5th of November in Philadelphia, the 7th in Nashville, and concluding on the 8th in Washington, D.C. So, uh, North America, come to all of those gigs or else. Uh, so thanks very much for listening, Buglers. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this delve into the Bugle past uh, with some uh, some classic clips. And thanks for all those who uh, sent your questions in. Thanks for Chris for organising this uh, for us. Uh, don't forget to contribute to the Radiotopia fundraiser. Details also on the internet and at the Radiotopia website, which I believe is slightly more efficient than the Bugle website. Um, and we will be back next week with a full Bugle. Uh, until then, Buglers, uh, have a sensational Halloween. Um, it is uh, a quite ridiculous uh, festival. Um, I know it dates back way beyond Old Testament times to probably the very dawn dawn of time, people looking up at the sun, the very dawn of humanity, thinking, oh, that looks like a massive pumpkin. How can we recreate that on Earth? Um, and, Chris, you've been sent a truly sensational Halloween pumpkin that we will uh, we will put a, a picture up of on the... Uh, the uh, Facebook page and the Bugle Twitter feed. So keep an eye out for that. The pumpkin to end all pumpkins. Um, thanks for listening, Buglers. Uh, until next time, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.